You are listening to WERA 96.7 FM, Arlington, Virginia. This is your girl Yazzie Speaks on Millennial Minds. This evening, we have Rebecca Borton. She is a certified financial planner. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Yazzie. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm really excited to talk to you. You are a millennial financial planner. What? Yes, that does make me a rare breed. Uh, (laughs) If you want to go into an in-demand career, I highly uh, recommend you consider financial planning. So tell us where you're from. Tell us kind of like your journey from what you were originally planning to do to what you're doing now. It's definitely been a journey, but I guess that's the whole point until, you know, the end of the journey, right? Right. So uh, I grew up in a really little town that we like making fun of because it has more white-tailed deer than people (laughs) in New England. Okay. So In Boston? uh, Connecticut. Connecticut. So I grew up in a kind of in-between place. And Mm -hmm. if you can imagine, I spent most of my childhood running around barefoot in the woods, Mm -hmm. uh, like playing with sticks and pretending I was an animal. Best kind of childhood So, you you know... Eventually, I was tamed and clothed and brought inside and taught to read. Uh, <laughs> you sound like a Mowgli or somebody. <laughs> so um, after my, my, my child in the wilderness, no, um, I was a big, big time reader, definitely growing up. And I think that maybe is part of the reason that I got interested in other places because, mm-hmm. you know, when I was growing up, um, I was in a pretty isolated area, and in order to connect with other people, I had to sort of either make it up in my head or would connect through through reading mm. and learning about other places that way. That's cool. Um, and I guess that stood me well because I, you know, was a good student, and I uh, came to American University on a scholarship. Mm-hmm. And what what kind of scholarship? Academic scholarship. Nice. Yeah. So American University actually was going to be less expensive for me to go to than. Um, UConn, which would have been my home university in Connecticut. And really, that was the first big financial decision I had to make was, ooh, do I take the money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, what should I what should I do with that? And um, that was a really hard decision for me, whether or not to come to uh, American University. I knew I wanted to study international Why was that, development. What, what, what made that decision challenging? So what made the decision challenging was I have really different values on different parts from coming from different parts of my family. And I think going through that helps explain who I am in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. My mom is the, as far as I know, the only person in her family who's been to college and she took a kind of a journey getting there. Um, but she, when she did, she became an accountant and her thing when she finally got there was that she wanted to always be financially independent. She never wanted to be relying on any man to take care of her because she'd been in negative relationships mm-hmm. before and, Really, my grandparents were trapped in a relationship they couldn't escape for cultural and economic reasons in their generation. I see. And so she always wanted to be able to stand on her own two feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why she became an accountant. You know, not because it's sexy, but she was like, I'm going to pay my own bills and never have to be trapped. Mm. So that's really informed her outlook on life um, and, and, you know, how she raised me, right? Mm-hmm. But on the other side of the family tree, basically, my dad's family... Um, came from like a much more highly educated background uh in fact most of them are in higher education like traditionally my family was made up of teachers and professors on that side i see and from sort of the luxury of having been okay financially on that side for a long time i think they were you know relatively affluent um 
they didn't worry so much about making ends meet. So I remember really distinctly when my dad lost his job in the tech crisis, I remember him telling me he was looking for a job and it had to meet a couple criteria. It had to be interesting, number one. Mm-hmm. It had to make the world a better place, number two. And you know, and then number three, you know, it should pay. Right, yeah. <laughs> but it was in that order. So there's a different perspective there. Mm-hmm. And part of that tradition and uh, on my my father's side of the family is that they're a Quaker family. And that set of values really strongly imbues the family, even those who have moved away from the religious or spiritual side of it. I see. And part of that is the value of community service is extremely important, mm-hmm. um, so much so that many people on that side of the family work in international aid. And so that's what really opened my eyes to international aid. You know, I'd sit around oh. a family reunion and we're talking like global geopolitics, peak oil, and like wow. Darfur. Wow. So it was like intense, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, and so coming from these with these two different perspectives, making the college decision was the first time I really was put in the position of having to sort of choose. Mm. Um, and I knew I wanted to go into the international aid world. My my heart was really being called by that. But I had to decide, did I go to Tufts, which was like the premier program sort of in international studies, which is my top choice, or did I go to American, which was in D.C., mm-hmm. definitely had that, yeah. and it was a great school, um, and they were offering me this financial package. And so I ended up taking the money, mm-hmm. and that was a really hard decision, um, but you know, that's also allowed me to buy my first home at like 25. That's amazing. <laughs> you know? Wow. So, you know, uh, it paid for my wedding. <laughs> like wow. there's still some money in the kitty for me to do some like, you know, more professional development opportunities mm-hmm. that I, you know, that's how I help pay for my certified financial planners. Like the money I, I didn't spend on going to, to college. college. Right. Because you had a scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Scholarships can be a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, shout out to Yazzie's scholarship fund. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> scholarships, which is amazing. Thank you so much. So that was a really, that was the first time I really had to grapple with uh, addressing these two sets of values, the sort of value of like your own financial security is like the, the deciding factor or service to others is the deciding factor. I see. Um, and what I feel really blessed about now is that as a financial planner, I get to do both. So mm-hmm. it's it, like your worlds. My worlds came together. back together. It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Yes, it's it a beautiful is. thing. Uh, wow. So you but it's you did, though. It sounds like you still got some of that, um, you know, global financial perspective as you were international, international studies major mm-hmm. and also economics. So you were a double major. Yeah. So I actually okay. came in. Um, in the International Studies, which is part of the School of International Service, which I love that that's literally the name of the school at American University. Nice. And um, I just sort of knew it was like, they have everything. Like, I should be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's in D.C. This is where the globe comes together. So came to D.C., you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, going to go change the world, going to go save the world, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone else who comes to D.C., yeah. I think. Right. Um, you know, I'm in good company there. And I kept dropping my international development classes for econ classes Mm. Um, because I kept being frustrated that, oh, I just covered that in Micro 100 or, uh, you know, we we just talked about this in my econ class, you know, (laughs) Uh, Mm. and what I was seeing was, you know, especially with the like peace and conflict issues, you know, there's a lot of conflict around economic resources. And I'm Mm. like, you know, and a lot of 
aid is to reduce poverty and poverty is an economic problem. So I started getting more and more interested in the economics of like, this is what's having a really powerful effect on people's well-being. So I would need to learn more about this. And I got really into macro policy and, oh, you know, what should the Mexican government do with their petro earnings? You know, like, wow. Literally like, nerding out really badly. <laughs> um, and I even went to London School of Economics to study economics because I was like, okay, I only get four years for this undergrad thing. I'm going to go hard on I the academics. Like, I love it. So as much as I, I love Spanish, I'd always look, uh, studied Spanish Latin American history and, and culture, and I was really focused on economic development in Latin America. That was kind of my niche. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized I couldn't perform academically at the level I wanted to in Spanish. So I'm like, all right, sticking with this English thing, going to, going to London, studying econ, um, which was great. Met my husband there. So I always say I got my MRS at LSE. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, and there were a lot of organizations or institutions, you think about the World Bank and organizations like that. I had kind of mixed feelings from what I'd learned about right. being part of those organizations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that didn't feel right to me coming out of school. Um, and then looking at some great mission-driven organizations that I felt more called to their mission, they didn't have roles and the entry level that really appealed to me. And that's something I'd really want to highlight for you know younger listeners who are maybe coming out of college or still searching for those first careers. Uh, to really consider what skills the role is going to use and develop. So I decided mm. that I didn't really want a secretary job at a fabulous organization. Like As much as I loved the mission, I wanted to be someplace that was going to really use and develop my skill set yeah. and a place where I could grow. And a lot of the places in D.C., I hate to say, you know, they've got, a, oh, you can be here for two years and go get your graduate degree. And I was like, please. Right. I just did four years of that. Right. Um. And I didn't like that there was this sort of expectation, especially in sort of the intern culture in D.C., which, you know, as sort of a, a labor advocate, I have a lot of problem with people working for free. Mm, um, and this idea that we're yes. not going to create development paths for young people. We're just going to use them and chuck them. That's deep. Wow. So and that was deep. But that was also like, what the F am I doing yeah. after I graduate from college? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. true. Um, and I didn't have a great answer for that, frankly. Um, I did the dual degrees. I was an honor student. I wrote three different theses. I was interning. It was nuts. Wow. So I graduated and I was pretty burnt out. And I actually went back to Connecticut and I was a waitress. Went back to like mm. that, well, at the very least, I can support myself thing. Mm. Um, which was, you know, maybe a little bit short-sighted too. But it gave me some time to kind of plan my next move. And my next move was to Ecuador, uh, which had come from my studies and sort of knowing that there was a large indigenous population that was still really vibrant there, um, Mm -hmm. is relatively safe. And I could really go and see what the things I'd always been learning about in school, you know, microfinance. And I was working at a women's co-op that did microfinance and indigenous community. That's amazing. All things, right? It was all the things. It was a really great experience, which I found by Googling free volunteering Ecuador. Nice. Um, and I, I actually caught a hold of a Peace Corps volunteers blog. And that's how I found the organization I, I've volunteered for. Um, and it was an amazing life experience. Like those three months feel like so much longer. I was going to ask were. you how long you were there. And you're, yeah. oh, only three months. Only three months. Okay. Um, that was the length of a tourist visa. OK. So I really oh. was like, oh, I'm going to emigrate to somewhere in Latin America and mm-hmm. just like live there and learn stuff. <laughs> Um, immigrating to another country is really hard. If you've never tried that, it's hard to do <laughs> legally. Mm. Um, so I ended up being there for the the length of the visa. And it was a really great experience, but it taught me, you know, not only like sort of the lessons you think you're going to learn when you're in another country. Well, one of the lessons was 
that part of me that's kind of like next thing like, yeah. yeah let's get What's this next? done let's mm-hmm. make this efficient mm-hmm. um there's something to be said for like you get there when the bus takes you there but i was like i can't do this meeting start six and a half hours late thing <laughs> <laughs> like apparently I, I was like you guys are really cool this has been a great experience i don't think i can spend my working life in this environment mm. um and that's good to know that good to know like points taken mm-hmm. so came back to the dc area um Basically just flew in because we had the international airport here, and that's where my um, now husband's family was. Okay. And I got a, a job really quick at, through a temp agency, just like, I need to pay my bills. It's important to me, paying my bills. Yeah. And he ended up getting a job in finance. Um, now, may I ask you really quickly, where did you meet? Did you meet your husband in college when you, yeah, so when you studied college. abroad in London? That's correct. Is yeah. he from London or? No, he's okay. from Vienna, Virginia. Okay. So you, you both. He, you both happen to be there studying happen- at the same time. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yes. So did you get married in college? No, we got married a couple of years ago, but we, we've been out of college for several years. I got you. I got you. Um, but it was fun when I told all my friends from American that, oh, I met a guy from Vienna. They're like, ooh, Austria. <laughs> and I was like. And you met Virginia. And I was like, ooh, I meant the orange line. <laughs> Like, remember the plastic seats? Oh, that is so funny. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. I'm sorry. So you said that he got a job in finance. So he got a job in finance at a kind of unique little office that actually worked with people who were around the world as well. Um, and so that was kind of a nice segue. He's like, oh, you know, I've been to all these places around the world. And they're like, cool. Um, and he just really liked what he was doing. And I was, you know, I had a job. It was okay. I was still, like, trying to figure it out. I was like, oh, God, am I actually going to go back to school and become an accountant like my mom? <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, literally, you think you're turning into your mom and you're, like, 22? <laughs> That's a scary it's moment, scary. Yazzie. Yeah, yeah. No, trust me. I know. <laughs> I do things like my grandmother all the time. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm turning into my grandmother. Oh, my goodness. Like, what? Yeah. yeah I Trust me. I get it. <laughs> trust me. Freaky Friday. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, God, she was right. Um, so... I uh, I have thus far avoided becoming an accountant, but mm-hmm. <laughs> there's still there's still callings. But, right, right. Um, he was. Really I mean, you are in financial planning, so not, it's not it's, too, too We're starting far. to split hairs, right? <laughs> we're splitting hairs just to try to keep our identity. <laughs> but um, he really liked what he was doing. He said, "You know, I think you should try it out." And so I started interviewing, um, you know, interviewing around, and I ended up actually being his date to the company barbecue. Was, you know, we were dating, um, and his boss is like, "Oh, I like you. Like, don't go work for my competitor. Work for me." Wow. So. Best interview of my entire life, for sure, was two glasses into glasses of wine into this guy's barbecue. In the barbecue. Like, wow. I think that should be a requirement for all interviews. I love it. <laughs> uh, listen, I, w- I would be down. I would be down. <laughs> uh, so I got started there. And what I, I guess the point I want to make a qu- about that is that your passion is, is not necessarily something that you come off the starting blocks knowing. Right. So like I was really mission driven. I wanted to make the world a better place. I had some skills. I had some knowledge. I had no idea what to do with any of that. Mm -hmm. And it was in a really unexpected place. I mean, come on. Financial services (laughs) where I was able to put together my skill set and my desire to help people and make the world a better place and actually develop like the authentic passion that drives me to do stuff. Mm Um, and, and really to put it together there in a way that I never expected. You know, I just fell in love with 
helping people and hearing the confidence come back in their voice and the, oh my god thank you for explaining that like I was always afraid to ask mm. and I especially noticed this with women and what was unique is that the clients there tended to be uh professors or teachers okay and we say there do you mean Ecuador or um just like... what this, this company was working with we okay. work with a lot of teachers and professors and they were um and this isn't for, where you are now it's not right? where I am okay. now this is kind of how you got this this is start. how I got in and it's sort of the international connection is how I got in. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have these really educated people, and they're extremely well-traveled. They're very knowledgeable. You know, those of them have PhDs. They've lived all over the world. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, looking to me as the expert on things. And they're telling me that they don't know, and they feel uncomfortable, and they're not comfortable with their, their knowledge. And that was really eye-opening like wow this need is here like these people who are so smart and so well educated and so worldly and yet they still feel uncomfortable with this really basic skill set that's fundamental to their ability to keep doing the things they love to do Mm. so that that kind of was the spark so tell me uh so now you are working at a small woman-owned business or a woman-owned small business Right. That's right. That's and right. So tell us more about that and what you're, you know, what what you're doing in terms of financial planning. And you know, I got that first taste and really fell in love with helping people feel more confident. And what I did is confident I, in like their finances. Confident in their, their finances. But gotcha. I mean, if you're feeling good about your money, that helps you kind of do other stuff, right? Because it's always about it's the means to the end, right? It's not yep. the end. Yeah. The point so is switching from survival to like, yeah. You know, thriving and exactly planning and exactly mm-hmm. so with uh concentric private wealth is the company i'm with now and it's a little boutique firm and we're a little bit unique mm-hmm. so we don't operate under the assumption that everyone's financial goal is to die with the most money right that's mm-hmm. not really the point of life Mm. So what we help people do is align their financial behaviors with what they actually value so they can lead their best life. That's great. Like, we're way out on the Oprah Winfrey scale, okay? <laughs> like, I want I you to it. know we are, like, all Brene Brown up in here. <laughs> I love it. And so that's just such a wonderful place to come from and to be part of. And so I've been really focused on particularly helping what I like to call my badass ladies. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, I'm super involved in politics in Virginia. As you might have heard, we're mm-hmm. kind of a big deal here. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I just want to keep empowering these really badass progressive women mm-hmm. to have an even bigger impact and feel even more fulfilled. So nice. I have this skill set that I can do that. Like I can literally make a difference on people's bottom line. And I can also give women who never put their oxygen mask on mm-hmm. permission to think about what they value and make right. sure they're lining up. That's amazing. Wow. That's really powerful to help people align their, um, you know, how they want to live their lives and what their priorities are. Exactly. Or align their financial behavior with Mm -hmm. with their values. That's really powerful. And so do you do that um, with their with your clients, with their um, personal finances or with their business finances or? We mostly work with individuals i mostly work with you know people one-on-one families couples um some clients have businesses as well but and you know, people live their values through their business right like that's what mm. we're doing here but most of my work has focused on individuals and you know helping them 
you know, it's not just planning for financial independence, right? It's what's also your legacy. Right. You know, yeah. and like, what do you what what do you want for your kids? How do you want to model this to your kids? Like we talk a lot with our clients about, you know, how are you teaching your values to your kids? Because mm. sometimes, you know, especially people who may have built their wealth themselves uh, and, and came from more humble backgrounds, they're the people who spoil their kids the most, mm. right? Because they want their kids to have everything they didn't that have. That they didn't have, right. And that can lead to some really negative consequences for the kids and for that relationship. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we go we go deep. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. Like, you make me want to be one of your clients. Like, that's how I feel. <laughs> you, you got my card. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So what what could you say in terms of financial planning? Why why is this necessary? Why do you uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but why do you think that it's necessary Mm-hmm. Um, or, or important for people to seek out and to actually, uh, to think about and to seek out, mm-hmm. you know? So, gosh, there's so many reasons it's important. Like in addition but, to, you know, living your life according to your values financially, but just like, just, just on a very basic practical sense, you know? So kind of stepping back, um, in the United States, we're responsible for our own financial well-being mostly right and so a lot of that um, support network that maybe was there for a period of time isn't there or is going to be radically insufficient what do you mean by that do you mean like 401ks and things like that or so let me give you an example about social security right Mm -hmm. so millennials i know this is not top of mind for you and i'm going to straight up say that we don't even include it in some of our financial plans for younger people like we're just surprised. assuming that like I'm I'm not gonna let your plan be based on that. Got you. You're gonna stand on your own two feet. Mm-hmm. Um, but Social Security was this like blanket system that people have in their heads like that's gonna take care of me when I feel like retiring. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. There's uh, an alarm bell going off here, and also like people plan like oh, I'm gonna stop working at 65. Like literally, 65 is a number that the German government came up with to appease a union strike in 1878 mm. when the life expectancy was 47. 47. Wow. Okay, so like you were never supposed to collect Social Security. Y'all were supposed to die first. <laughs> okay, so no. Which that. is in the in the United States has moved the life expectancy age and retirement age from like, what was it? 50 something to 65 or 70. Yeah. And there's like full retirement age is like 67 now for some people. But, and and like, this is based on the social security administration, right? So Mm. it's not going to work. Okay. Right. Like Mm. that's that, that whole model is outdated and it's not based on fundamentals. It's not based on economics. It's not based on, you know, the life expectations for people now. So, you know, we need to provide for ourselves and take care of ourselves. um, You know, in the future and also now like most there's you know you see the stats like most americans don't have four hundred dollars if shit happens right four hundred dollars yeah. guys like oh i thought it, it was more than that just four hundred wow four hundred like wow. could not come up with four hundred dollars in the next yeah. week if their car broke down yeah well like yeah That's you know real. i can't work one-on-one with every single person who has that problem mm. but we have a real situation in this country where our culture is based on consumption and Yes. That consumption is what drives our economy. It's the basis of the whole economic system, um, whether or not the planet can support it, whether or not the people can support it, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this drive to always consume as a way to reach fulfillment. And most of the time, that's not going to work. 
So, you know, a lot of my clients, they don't have an income problem. Mm-hmm. They've That's got spending. It's not a spending Maybe problem. She... It's just a a attention problem. Where are you focusing your attention? Mm-hmm. So, how do we bring you back to focusing your attention? Focusing your resources and your most valuable one is time, right? Yes. On what's important to you. So, you know, that's about living a it conscious like lifestyle. That this is also life coaching, even though it's financial planning. It's kind of like life coaching. Yeah. Well, the thing, the thing is, you know, I can have all sorts of great tax strategies, and I can tell you about investing, and mm-hmm. you know, I can make sure you've got your insurance portfolio and that you've got your butt covered. But mm-hmm. you know, we got to know why. Like, what are we mm-hmm. doing this for? So that's why I think it's really important that we do have this financial planning. And, you know, money is power. Yes. Right. Money is power. You got to yes. own your power. You got to like stand it. in your power and, like and have some level of control in your life. You know, there's a lot of things you can't control, mm-hmm. but your behavior is like one of the few things that you have an ability to adapt and make changes to. And so that's why we focus on those behaviors because it's the little things that add up to who we are, those mm-hmm. habits, right? Yes. So like, let's make having a strong financial foundation or a, an attitude of financial independence, that doesn't mean necessarily you'll ever stop working. It doesn't mean maybe you have to spend less or, or you spend more, right? It's it's like, how do you stand in your power as a, as a person with financial and economic power? How do you do that in a way that enables you to, you know, cover the bases right and then mm-hmm. you know have the impact and legacy you want and so that i always we always talk about gifting with with clients like it's you know how are you giving back what's what do you want your legacy to be is that the way you raise your children and that you know helping them go to college is that your legacy or you know maybe you're involved in politics and like if you know you have passions around politics like that's not a tax thing but that's you got a plan to have the money mm-hmm. to give them right yeah yeah so it's a tool, right? And um, it's a tool that is super fundamental to what people's lives look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so easy to get lost in the shuffle when it's always like, hey, shiny new thing. Yeah. Tweet this, buy that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't help that we're like inundated with ads and marketing. And, right. I mean, it's everywhere. You try to avoid it. It's everywhere. It's on Snapchat. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Rebecca, um, we definitely have to bring you back so that we can talk more about financial planning and, you know, um, more about your international experiences. Um, That'd be great. But thank you so much for sharing with us, you know, your background and your some of your uh, fascinating and very interesting journey <laughs> and um, what the, you know, the importance of financial planning. And um, I'll just, if you have like one piece of advice, um, what what would you say to millennials um, and then also tell us where we can find you on social media. So my piece of advice for millennials would be to find a need, get good at it, and your passion will come from it. When you feel yourself meeting a need in society, you will feel your passion and purpose will come from that. Um, so equip yourself. Get get yourself a, a skill that people need and you will find purpose and being able to help people fill that need please connect um i'm on facebook you can find me at rebecca borton cfp you can find me on linkedin as rebecca borton and you can find me on twitter certified certified financial planner that certified financial planner that's right i love it i love it 
All right. Thank you, Rebecca. All right. Let's make a plan. We'll have you again soon. Let's make a plan. Let's make it happen. That's right. (laughs) You are listening to WERA 96.7 FM, Arlington, Virginia. This is your girl, Yazzie Speaks on Millennial Minds. Till next time, peace.